something uh, funny about me is that uh, you don't know it, but uh, you're going to be play a game, playing a game with me, and that's a guessing name. And the reason why is because, well, you already heard my accent. So English is my second language. Uh, I came to United States when I was 23 years old, and I think the only word I knew back then was yes and thank you. And I actually pronounced it yes and thank you. So, um, and, and the Lord has, you know, helped me and gave me grace and, and gave me a brain that could retain your language. But I'm still learning. You guys, your phonetic language is hard. It's hard. So, so sometimes I, I'm trying to say one thing, but because it just sounds so similar to this other thing, I, I, might, I might take you for a ride. All of a sudden, you're going to be like, what exactly does she mean? So uh, I'm going to give you an example. The word being, B-E-I-N-G. And let me tell you, like, I know what the words mean. And I'm really good at grammar. It's the pronunciation that gets me. So the word being, B-E-I-N-G, I know what that means. But, boy, does it sound really similar to being, like a being, B-E-I-N. And some, um, yeah, A, N. Anyway, um, sometimes I'm trying to say I'm a human being, B-E-I-N-G, and it sounds like I say, I'm a human being. <laughs> and because I'm Mexican, people think that I'm calling myself a human being, like a refry being. And so I just wanted to throw that out there because chances are that will happen today. I will say a word that sounds like this word, you know, but it actually means this other thing. So I just ask that you extend some grace and grab the proper pronunciation one and install it right there. <laughs> Don't let my accent or my mispronunciations steal the message that God has for you today. All right. So with that being said, I would like to tell you that I was eight years old, only eight years old, when God separated me anointed me, and consecrated me for his service. Only one year old. There was an evangelistic campaign in our, or a revival meeting at our church, and the evangelist, who was also a prophet, called me up to the stage and poured oil over my head and my forehead and my hands and began to ask me, say yes to the Lord. Say yes to the Lord. Say yes to the Lord, which I did. I did. He was an evangelist. He was a prophet. I was not going to question that. I'm only eight years old, so I extended my hands, and I kept saying, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I didn't know what that meant. The years went by, and a few years later, probably, I think I was probably around 15 or 16 years old, my heart was already away from the Lord. My heart was already close to the things of God. I had already, I already had like big cracks in my foundation of faith. And my mom saw that. She could see that I was already making choices that were not for the glory of God. And in her passion probably to save me, to rescue me, she shared with me what had happened that night. After the service was done, she spoke to the evangelist. She spoke to the prophet and asked him, what was all that about? In her heart, in her mother's heart, she thought I was going to die. I thought, she's, God's probably going to take her soon. And she was worried about that. And the evangelist said to her, no, 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 no. God told me, God instructed me to anoint her, to consecrate her, because she will have a worldwide healing ministry, the likes of Catherine Coleman. Who knows who she is? Well, for so long, saying that word felt like petulant. Like, how could I say that? But hey, I didn't say it. He said it. So I'm starting to get comfortable saying that because I, it, that was not my idea. If he had asked me, I would say no. No, thank you, which I did when my mom told me. In my heart, I said, uh, you got the wrong daughter. You got the wrong daughter. It's my younger sister that you want. She loves you. I, I have my own plans. I want to travel the world. I want to be a lawyer. 
I have no plans to follow you, to be. My heart was already hard towards the things of God. So how, how someone who was consecrated, separated, anointed for anointed for a worldwide ministry ends up suffering from a so-called incurable disease, twice divorced, bankrupt financially, mentally, emotionally, physically. How that happens? How can someone who has been chosen by God end up way down here in the bottom? Simply by choice. Choice. God sets a door in front of us, and then it is our choice whether we walk through it. It was my choices. And when my mom told me, I had already, I told you, that process had already started where I didn't want anything to do with God. I was already turning my, my back on my faith, on my family, on the church. I had already my eyes set on worldly adventures. And I kept saying no to God. And that's how we end up completely broken, destroyed relationships, friendships, jobs, everything. It seemed like everything I touch will end up broken. How did that happen? Choice. God sets in front of us a door. The new door is here. The new season is here. Would you walk through it? Would you choose to enter into it? And walk in it. I name my talk the power of choice. And everything matters. Everything. We don't, we don't really think about it. But today, by this time, you have already made hundreds of choices. You made a choice yesterday to come back today. You made a choice to set up your alarm. You made a choice to actually get out of bed. Because guess what? I was a little bit late because I turned off my alarm. But I chose to close my eyes. And I thought I just blinked. And then a half an hour had passed. So then I made a choice to hurry up and get ready. And then I made a choice to drive here. And I made a choice not to be rude to the other drivers that were driving in the rain. Because I really wanted to get here faster and they were kind of slow. I made a choice to remain holy and calm. We made a choice what to wear. We made a choice what kind of shoes we were going to wear. We made a choice what to eat, what to drink. Our lives are full of choices. We make so many of them without blinking, without thinking. They had become so automatic for us to make a choice. Some choices don't matter. It doesn't matter if we're blue or red. It doesn't matter if you wear high heels or sandals. It doesn't matter, really. But how we respond matters. The words that come out of our mouth matter. Our thoughts matter. Our reactions matter. Our actions matter. And they matter for eternity, not just for now. So that's how I end up here. After getting so great calling, I end up where I was because of my choices. And so today, as I speak, as I share my testimony, I want you to ask yourself, what choices am I making? And what impact are those choices have, having in my life, in the life of my children, in my future generations? Everything matters. I wish it was as simple as having just one door. Wouldn't that be cool if there was just only one door? That's it. But there is not just one door. There is other door. And my choices decide which door am I entering. And that is not a new concept. That is not a new concept. That is a concept as old as time. Can you believe that? It, it baffles the mind sometimes to think that God, that God gave us the power of choice. He could have made us just one way. That's it. There's only one way. There's no other way. You just keep going here. No, he gave us choice. And do you realize we are the only ones that have that power? A tree doesn't get to choose to be a tree or a fish. It has to be a tree. 
A fish doesn't have to choose if he wants to be a dog. He can even think that he has choices. He's nothing but a fish, and he will be a fish forever for the rest of his life. The planets have no choice but to keep going around and around and around. Nothing on earth has a choice. Not even angels. Well, there was one that had a choice, and we know how that ended. Nobody else has a choice, but we do. That's how God showed, uh, showed us his love, that he gave us a choice. Because forced love is no love at all. And he loved us so much that he gave us the freedom to choose. We read in Deuteronomy 30, 15 and 16, and I, I'm reading out of the message translation because I just love the way it said. Look at what I have done for you today. I have placed in front of you life and good, death and evil. And I command you today, love God, your God. Walk in his ways. Keep his commandments, regulations, and rules so that you will live, really live. Live exuberantly. Oh, I love that word. Exuberantly. Blessed by God, your God, in the land you are about to enter and possess. We are all here today, and we are all here to enter a new land and possess it. But it is telling us here what we must do. And is choose to keep his commandments, keep his regulations, keep his rules. It is easy. It's really not that hard. What is choice? What is choice? Choice is nothing else but making a decision when faced with two or more possibilities. Two or more. I will really say it's just two. Life or death. Good or evil. That's it. He's not giving us 20 different choices. No, there's just two. Life or death, good or evil. That's it. There's nothing besides that. But my choices, my choices. I'm not here to tell you that I was abused. I'm not here to tell you that I wish my life would have been better. I'm not here to point fingers at what others did. I did that in the past. Believe me, I did. I'm not here to do that today. I am here to tell you that I ended up where I ended up based on my choices. I did that. I did that. It is my fault because I knew right from wrong. Listen, we all know right from wrong. We try to tell ourselves we don't, but we do. Even people who haven't heard the word of God, the Bible says that he put his signature in our hearts somewhere. We know what's right and we know what's wrong. We just choose not to do it. That's how my life ended up in the ditch until 2019. Until 2019, I told you. I had been married once, and I went through a divorce, and then I remarried. So by 2019, I was looking down the barrel of a second divorce, and I was destroyed. Man, I loved that man. Oh, how I loved him. I sometimes still do. I loved that man. But I knew, I knew I could see that it was over. It didn't matter what I tried. It didn't matter how hard I worked. I tried everything. I worked hard. And I could sense that I could just, I just knew it was coming. And I remember being in the shower one day. And I don't know if you can relate to this, but the book of Proverbs talks about it. When people do whatever they want to do, and when something was wrong, they lift their fist at God and blame God for everything. I don't know if you've ever been there, but I was. Every time something went wrong in my, my, in my life, I look up to him like, it is your fault. I was in the shower, and I was going through one of those temper tantrums. I remember loud saying, why are you always destroying my life? Why are you always destroying what I'm trying to build? And for the first time ever, I, this never happened to me. I heard a voice that said, why are you always blaming me? <gasps> I was like, uh-oh, that's new. I, like, I remember being startled for a second, but I was so angry. I didn't blink when I said, because it is you. It is you. You are mad at me because I said no to you so many years ago. You are after revenge. 
You want to prove to me that you can do more than I can do. It is you. You are destroying my life. And I heard him saying, if you knew me, if you only knew me, you know that I don't do that. I was still mad. And I said, I know you. Hello. I know you. I was born in the church. My parents are pastors. I grew up running in the hallways of the church. I know who you are. And he said to me, the most sovereign words I ever heard, he said, no, no, no. You have heard about me. Others have told you about me, but you and I have never met. And I remember being so stunning. He knew it. He knows how to take advantage of a pause. And I was like, oh. In my head, I'm all like, uh-oh, that's true. And he immediately said to me, but if you want, we can start today. And that was the first day I made the right choice. It was my choice to say, no, thank you. But for the first time, I made the right choice. And I said, that's a deal. Let's do that. Let's do that. And that's when we started our relationship. Only 2019 that I really had my first true encounter with the living God. After that choice, I continued to make other good choices. For example, I joined a group of wonderful women that have been mentors to me. They have covered me spiritually. And my life began to change just by watching them live for God. Just by watching them honor God and follow him. Then I made the other right choice, which was to get in the word myself. Not always waiting someone, for someone to teach me, but me. I would grab my Bible and my journal, and I would sit on my table and read and write and wait to hear from God. I went to him to feed me directly. I didn't wait for anybody else to come and feed me. I went to the table myself, and he fed me himself. Later on, as I was growing in the word, I also made the choice to be a doer of the word. Not just a reader, not just a hearer, but a doer. And if he said to do this, I did it. And he said not to do that, I stopped doing it. And I began to see my life change, transformed. I was, uh, it was a process, but the more I fell in love with the Lord and I got closer to him, the further apart my marriage went, the more destruction. And we separated in October of 2019. So then I'm alone in my own house, which that alone is a miraculous story about how God provided for me. But I continue to pursue him, even in the middle of the pain, even in the middle of insecurity, you know, financially, I was so happy. It seemed, it's unbelievable to have a broken heart and still be happy and still feel joyful. Only God can do that. But I was, I was, I was brand new. I have this love that involved and took my time and, and I was just given into this love that I was receiving from God. So even though in one area was really hard and heartbreaking, in other area, I was just so happy. And I continue to work at getting to know God. I continue to invest my time in Him. In 2021, God presented another door, which is Passion Church. He brought me here, but then I made the choice that this is where He planted me, so I kept coming and I kept growing. All those are choices that impact our life and our growth. But today I want to tell you about two choices that I believe have made the most impact in my life. I really could have a list of 20. Actually, when I started, I did. And then I rehearsed my message and I realized I was at point number one and I was already out of time. So I have to pick which one I wanted to share. So I chose two. I chose two. I told you I had moved out of my house. My husband, ex-husband now and I were separated. Uh, that happened in October 2019. So now it's around March of 2020 uh, or April, I believe, somewhere around there. Uh, the pandemic is going strong. Uh, we had a lot of restrictions. I lost some job opportunities. So all of a sudden I'm running out of money and I'm mad at my first husband because he wasn't helping enough with the kids. And then I'm mad at my second husband because how could you 
dump me. How? You say you will love me forever. We said we were going to be together forever. How could you do this? And the more I started paying attention to down here, the more distance I began to feel from God. And I remember that separation. And, and I was like, I, I don't ever want to be like that. I don't want to go back. So having that realization that, hey, I don't want to go back to the darkness. I remember coming to one of the meetings, one of the monthly meetings that we have, and asking for prayers at the end. I, there's a group of uh, women, the prayer ministry, and I asked, pray. Pray because I want, I want this gone. Whatever is between me and God, I want it gone. But see, when I asked for prayer, what I actually meant is like, pray for them. Pray for them. Maybe God can send a couple angels with big swords and scare the living lights out of them. And they can start pitching in and they can start taking care of me. And they can start. That was my idea of prayer. God, do something to someone so, so I can feel okay. So, so, so I don't have a reason to be angry, God. Take care of them. When I closed my eyes, she told me, close your eyes and repeat after me. Honestly, I don't like repeat after me. Prayers, to be honest, but I did. I was so in need. I was like, I repeat after you, and I did it with my whole heart. But something happened. As soon as I opened my, my mouth to start praying, in my spirit, I was taken to a different space. And I'm suddenly, in a blink of an eye, I'm standing in like a big stadium. A, a huge stadium, and there's a lot of people there, and they're all wearing these beautiful, it's all white. I don't even remember what, to be honest. I don't know what they're wearing. I just remember it was white, pure, shimmery, and there it was this infusion of joy. I could feel the joy. Like I went from down here on earth feeling like really down, and all of a sudden I'm in a place where I'm smiling from ear to ear. And there was a joy in the air like, yeah, what is this? Whoa, this is so cool. And I knew it was kind of like a stadium. So I thought, it's like a sporting event. Something's about to happen. There's going to be a game or something. And I'm just looking at people and their faces and they're radiant and they're joyful. Like, this is so cool. And then all of a sudden there was a silent, silence and everybody sat down. And so I sat down too. And I'm still smiling from ear to ear. And I'm happy to be there. But then I look at the field and realize there's a big throne in that field. And there's something in front of that throne. Something so small. It almost looked like a dot in front of such huge throne. And then there was a sobering feeling that came over me. And I said, uh-oh, uh-oh. And I keep looking at that in front, that dot that was in front of the throne. And the more I squinted my eyes, the, re the more I realized that's a human. That's a person. And I just knew we are before the judgment seat of Christ. And I, something gripped my heart. I was like, oh, oh, that person is in trouble. Oh, no. And I kept squinting my eyes to try to see who he was. And I began to feel sorry for that person. And I began to feel fear for them. And I'm squinting my eyes. And I realized it was my mother. My mother was in front of the judgment seat of Christ. And I felt terror in my body. And I got up and I began to yell at her, Mom! Mom! What are you doing? What is happening? And I remember feeling desperation and looking at the people around me and telling, hey, that's my mom. That's my mom. Mom, what are you, what are you doing? What's happening? My mom has served the Lord since she married my dad. She has been a pastor's wife. She has left it all on the line. Today, she can barely walk. Literally, she can barely walk because she spent all her energy, everything, serving the Lord. Why was she there? My mom is the type of woman that demons tremble when they see her. They tremble when they hear her voice. Why was she there? Why was she before the throne of God, the judgment seat of God? Why? And it was as if God 
had heard my questioning, and he turned to me, and he said to me with a stern voice, she is here to receive punishment for what she did to you. <gasps> Doesn't matter what she did to me. At that moment, it was gone, and all I could feel was terror for her. And I remember immediately begging, no, please, no, no, let her go. I remember God's voice changing, and I remember him, like, slamming the armrest of his throne and saying, no. What she did to you was wrong. She deserves to be punished. No, God, no, no, please, please let her go. Don't do anything to her. Please let her go. And I distinctly remember his voice softening and saying, you want me to let her go? Yes, Lord. Yes, please let her go. And then I heard him say a phrase that changed me forever. If you want me to let her go, why don't you let her go? And I realized what I had done. Every time my life crashed before me, I would blame my mom. If she would have loved me better, maybe I wouldn't make so much mistakes if she would encourage me, maybe I would not be so messed up. If I would have had a better childhood, maybe I would have been different. In the outside, I always felt that I love my mom. And I kept telling myself and everybody, oh, I, I've forgiven her. It, it, it's all fine. But God knew better. God knew that somewhere in my spirit, I was still blaming her. And at that moment, when I realized that I was still holding on I remember I looked at God and I lifted my hands and like, it's over. It's over. I forgive her. She is free. I will never again think about my mom in those terms. I will never again blame her. I forgive her. She is free. It is finished. And at that moment, I came back to earth and I was still repeating the words of the prayer. And, and, and then I basically came back right when we were saying amen. And I remember telling my friend, oh, you have no idea what just happened. But decades of pain and hurt were gone. I could feel it. I was free. I was light. It was like everything was bright all of a sudden. I knew I was not the same person. I knew I was free. The next day, I woke up, and I went for a walk, and I'm again, and I do a lot of walking in the, in the woods. So I'm again out there in the middle of nowhere, and I called my mom. I felt this like, desire to call my mom. It was going to be the first time I talked to her free of that little voice here in the head that says, mm-hmm, she said that now, but what about when you were a kid? Mm, yeah, she said that now, but how about? There was always a voice in my head pointing to her mistakes, but this was going to be the first time I didn't have that. I really wanted to just talk to her. I can tell you everything felt new. Her voice felt new. Everything. It was, I was so free. So free. And we, we talked for like two hours or more. And towards the end of our conversation, she said to me, I have this, this, and that that I want to give to you. And her voice started to break. And she said, because I want to ask you to forgive me. There were the words that I waited decades to hear. I thought I was entitled to an apology. And I waited for decades to hear, and it never came. Guess what? They came the day after I didn't need it anymore. She was forgiven. She was free. And I had so much joy telling her the experience I had had with God and telling her, Mom, I forgave you yesterday. I forgave you. Isn't that cool? And my life was transformed. And today I wanted to ask you, who, who are you refusing to forgive? Who are you refusing to let go? Let us not forget that forgiveness is not a suggestion. It's a command. It's a command. Jesus said, forgive so you can be forgiven. 
And listen, we are entitled. God allows it. You want to bring someone to judgment? All right, bring him. But it terrifies me to remember another verse that says, with the measure that you use to measure others, you yourself will be measured. Let us not forget that the judgment we are calling upon to others will fall on us too. Because he doesn't change his mind. Who are you holding on to? Who are you refusing to forgive? Let me tell you that if you struggle in that area, the day you do release, you yourself will be set free. The word of God says in Ephesians 4, 31, 32, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Can you relate to any of that? Do you always feel bitterness? Have you felt it before? Do you feel rage, anger, brawling, gossiping, accusing, judging? Get rid of it along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. In Christ he forgave us. There is something about forgiveness. I, re I recall Peter saying, uh, Master, do we need to forgive seven times? And Jesus said, no, no, no. Seventy times seven. And I know many of us are counting. We have lost the meaning of what, what he meant to say was to say, well, actually, if you're counting, that means you're not forgiving. Many of us are counting. All right, I forgive. I, yeah. He's up to 299 times. He's only got. Many of us are counting. We miss the point. We miss the point. If God only forgave me 490 times, I will be done probably in half a day. If that's all my chances, I will be done a long time ago. But he's merciful. His mercies are new every day. And he wants us to be like his son Jesus. He was hanging on the cross. And what did he say? Forgive them. Forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. We don't do that. Forgive them, Lord. They don't know what they're doing. And they continue to do it. No, what if we say they don't know what they're doing? They don't know what they're doing. Forgiveness is a big deal for God. And it doesn't matter if you walk through the door he's presenting in front of you. If you walk in there with unforgiveness, you're going to get the same results you have gotten so far. It doesn't matter how many new doors God puts in front of you. If you are carrying that unforgiveness in your heart, you will continue to have the same results. I know because it happened to me. I'm talking from experience. Sisters, let it go. Drop it. It's not worth it. He's got so much more for us. It says in James 5, 16, Therefore, confess your sins to each other. And pray for each other so that you may be healed. Healed. Have you ever attached healing to forgiveness? Before this, I told you I was diagnosed with a so-called incurable disease. When I forgave, the more I grew in the Lord, the more I dropped everything. Every sin that so easily entangled, the more I dropped it, the more my body healed. Can I tell you today, it's been about two, almost three months that I have had zero prescription medication, and I am pain-free to the glory of God. There is healing. There is healing and forgiveness. There is healing and leaving behind everything, everything that entangled us. There is an enemy that is looking to the power, and how he does it is for us pointing out, like, oh, look what God's doing, look what he's doing, and there we go. Oh, yeah, you're right. No, you have a choice. You have a choice, good and evil, life and death. You have a choice. You have a choice. There is another thing that really impacted my life, and this one is so brand new, so brand new. I, I am still wrapping my head around it. But the other choice that I made was the choice of pursuing holiness, pursuing holiness. It happened in February 19, I believe, 
I was praising over here in the front. I woke up that morning somewhere, I don't know, two, three, four in the morning. I don't know what time it was. Um, I had a dream, a dream that was so impactful. In that dream, I was going for a walk with one of my friends. And as we are walking, I see a park about two blocks away. And I, I notice that there's a commotion. There's a commotion there. And I see dogs rushing to bark at something and then retrieving in fear and go away, but then coming right back at it. And I see two animals, and they are, they're big. They're about this big. And what kind of animals are those? I've never seen an animal that looked like that. It had long, silky, blonde hair. I'm like, what kind of animals are those? And my, my friend keeps talking, and I keep walking, but my eyes are locked on the commotion that I'm seeing. And as we get closer and closer, I'm still wondering, like, what kind of animals are that? What are those animals? And when we get probably half a block away, I see that there's two of them. That's just one. There's two of them, and they're about this big. And all of a sudden, they look. They turn and look towards where my, my, my friend and I were. And I realized these were wild boars. And I grew up in, in, in a small town in Mexico. I know these things are vicious, and they can kill you. And so I panic, and I tell my friend, run, run, climb on something, protect yourself. They are wild boars, and they're coming towards us. They were charging at us. And in front of me, there was a tree, and I just jump into that tree, and I, I, I'm looking back, hoping that my friend found a place. And just as the animals are by us, a man comes through and says, no, 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 no. No, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. They are, they are so kind. And there was a house here, and he opened the front door of the house, the gate, and the animals go in there, and then he opens the front door, and the animals march in there, and they go into the, um, into the couch, and they, like dogs. Have you noticed that there's a, there's a breed of dogs like this big, and they have that long, flowy, I don't know what the... Uh, um, kind of dogs those are, but they kind of look like that. And they went into the couch, and their, their paws were up in the air, and this guy is, like, scratching their bellies and petting them. And my mouth's wide open. I'm like, oh, what? He doesn't I know. These are wild boars. These things could kill you. No, 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 no. You don't know what you're talking about. These are pets. They're so kind. They're so beautiful. And he continues to pet them. And then I realized I'm standing in my friend's house. That was another friend of mine. That's her house. And I'm looking around, and I see her pictures on the wall. I'm like, oh, I have to tell her. I have to tell her that these animals could kill her. These are dangerous animals. I have to tell her. And I woke up from my dream. And I'm still in that middle of, you don't know if you're awake or you're sleeping. You're in that haze. And I remember I was so impacted by what I saw and what I felt in the dream that I asked God, God, what does this mean? What is this? And he answered and said in my spirit, there are things that are abominable to me. But they think it's no big deal. It's normal. Everybody's doing it. I have to tell my friend. And I went back to sleep just like that. Sometimes I have had other dreams, but sometimes by the morning I forgot what they were about. Well, this time it didn't happen. As soon as I opened my eyes again, the dream was still there so vividly. Even to this day, I remember every detail so vividly. So I knew it was God. I came to church. It was a Sunday it was a beautiful, beautiful Sunday at church. Oh, my gosh, the service was so impactful. And I'm over there on the floor just giving everything that I have to God. And all of a sudden, I remember that dream. And I'm praying for my friend and telling God, give me the opportunity to tell her I don't know what's going on in her life. But you know, Lord, and I will be faithful. And I will tell her this dream, Lord. Yes, thank you. And all of a sudden, it occurred to me, wait a minute. And I just stopped my prayer and I said to go, um, uh, hold on a minute. <clears throat> if, this friend, this, if this dream is for my friend, you have a message for her. Why did you give me that dream? Wouldn't it be easier for you to just go give her the dream? I think that would be more impactful. Why do I have to go tell her? And then something in my heart prompted me 
Lord, is something in that dream applies to my life? And my mind immediately went to the two wild boars laying in the couches and someone petting them. And I said to him, what are the wild boars in my life? Sisters, before I even finished asking the question, he was already giving me the answer. Your marriage. And I felt my heart broken a million pieces. I spent four years praying for that marriage. If you saw me on my face here on the floor, most likely I was pleading with God, restore my marriage. Give me back my house. Give me back my home. When she spoke two years ago in short, shared her experience in her marriage. Right after service, I went back to the house. I knew he wasn't going to be there. But I walked in the house and I claimed my territory. This house is mine. I'm not going anywhere. God is going to return all this to me and, my, and it's going to be glorious. I remember telling God, God, a divorce will not help you. Wouldn't that be wonderful if you restore him and restore me? And we can tell everybody, look, our marriage was over. And thanks to God, it is, everything is great. Wouldn't that be a better testimony than to say, yeah, I got another divorce. God, that will not bring glory to your name. Restore it. Restore it. And I will pray for him and his salvation. And I would plead over and beg him and cry. But when he said, your marriage, I thought, oh. And I could see that I had made an idol out of it. He had become more important to me than anything else. That I spent more of my time thinking about it and trying to do something to solve it. And that's all I could see at that moment. And I knew right away, no, 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 I will not have anyone. I don't care how much I love him. I will not have anyone before you, Lord. At the same time, our pastor was having a vision of a fire pit right here in the middle and God calling his people to purity, to holiness. And she invited all of us, come here and throw in the fire every unholy thing that is holding you back. And with my heart breaking in a million pieces, I got up and I came and I threw my marriage in the fire. A decisiveness came over me. By the end of that day, I had filled out all the paperwork. Before I went to bed, everything was ready. I woke up the next day. I marched into the courthouse and I filed for divorce. Part of me was thinking, is this going to be easy? We've been separated for four years. It's going to be a piece of cake. I just got to keep living what I have been living. It's okay. Nothing is going to happen. I wasn't really prepared for the grieving that came. Grieving like I haven't experienced. Well, I actually experienced a grieving period in one time. But, but this was new. And it came in waves. And sometimes I could barely think and walk and, and go about my life. But I knew I was not alone. I knew I wasn't grieving alone. God was with me. I felt his presence. I felt his comfort. But I still couldn't understand why he will make me go through another divorce. He knows how my heart grieves for the first one. He has seen my heart in full repentance, knowing that I did wrong. Knowing that I destroyed that first marriage with my own two hands. I alone destroyed it. I have repented and I know I've been forgiven. But why will he make me go through it again if he knew how much I love this man? How much I, would, I wanted to spend the rest of my life? Why would he do that? I couldn't reconcile. Why would he do that? And I had a hard time reconciling that because I believed him. My faith, like, God, I know you can do it. I know you can transform him. I know you're working in me. I see the changes in me. I know I'm growing. I can see everything I did wrong in the past. And I was growing and I was becoming a new woman. Why? I know you can do it, God. Why are you not doing it? Throughout these four years of separation, as I was walking with the Lord and growing in the Lord, I was getting messages that the answer was no, and I refused to hear it. No, 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 that must be the devil. Why would God, why, why would God say no? 
to restoring a marriage? Why would God say no to transforming someone? That's not God. That's got to be the devil. No, I got to keep praying. I got to keep begging. I got to keep asking. The Bible says knock, keep knocking, keep seeking, keep asking. I'm going to keep doing it. So during those four months between when you file and we actually show up, I kept asking God, listen, God, I obey. I say, yes, that's fine. That's fine. If it's your will, I understand. I accept it. I bow to it. Just show me why. Just tell me why your answer was no. Just show me so I can have peace. I accept your decision. It's okay. Just show me why. And the answer wasn't coming. But the answer came rather easily when a friend, a godly woman, willing to be uncomfortable and asked hard questions. We met for coffee, and as soon as she started asking questions, the answer was right in front of me. And believe me, this is something I had hoped to bury and never talk about. This is something I had hoped never to tell anyone. I just wanted to tell the pretty details. But the truth of the matter is that that relationship had started in sin. Neither him nor I were free when we started our relationship. We can tell you stories. I can try to make it look pretty. I can tell you that he was separated. I can tell you that I was about to be separated. I could tell you all things. Nothing changes the fact that it was still sin. And that relationship was never good and flourishing and healthy. We were like a roller coaster. We can be fine a month and then terrible for four months. And I couldn't understand why it wasn't working. And it didn't matter how much I was trying. It wasn't working. And now it was there, right there. I had brought to God a wild boar, and I kept asking him to bless it. Something that was abominable before him, I kept bringing it. We lived together, and we, we shared, you know, and we were cohabitating. And then eventually in 2017, we married, and I thought like, oh, okay, God, now it's official. Now you got to bless him. I have a marriage certificate. It's here. You've got to bless it. How many things this world right now has made legal and is still abominable to God? What I had done was effectively put lipstick on a pig and offer it up to God and ask him to bless it. And I'm not talking about the man. I love that man. I'm talking about the situation. I keep asking God to ignore something there was blatantly something that started in sin. He won't look away. You can say whatever you want to say and you can excuse yourself however you want to excuse yourself. If God has called a thing abominable, it will remain abominable. And I had brought, that was that. That was my wild boar. And I keep nurturing it. And I keep petting it. And I keep feeding it. Let us not forget that he is a holy God and he calls us to holiness. So now through this revelation, I can say, yes, it was a failure, that second marriage. But it was also a call to holiness. Be holy as I am holy. Without holiness, no one will see the face of God. Hebrews 12, 14 says, make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. 1 Peter 1, 14 and 16 says, as obedient children, that's the key. Obedience is a key. Radical obedience is a key for us to move into the next door, into the next season. To obey God when it hurts. To obey God in little things is easy. But to obey God when it hurts. When it breaks your heart. When you have to say goodbye to something you dearly loved. Obey him when it's hard. As obedient children do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. 
I can even claim ignorance, girls. None of my choices were made out of ignorance. I knew what I was doing, and I chose to do it anyway. I am not a victim. I fully participated in the destruction. I was a willing participant. I can't even claim ignorance. There are some people who are ignorant. I wasn't. I made choices that were contrary to what God wants for us. It says, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Yes, he is love, but he is holy. Yes, he is merciful, but he is holy. Yes, he wants to give you the desires of your heart, but he is holy. So he will do as well to align our desires to his holiness. And after that, his promises are yes and amen. Yes and amen. So now I live my life making better choices. Life and death are always in front of us. What you eat either brings life or death. What you drink either brings life or death to your body. What you think brings life or death. What you chose to do, what you choose to do brings life or death. How you pray, how you align your life, it's all life and death. And the choice is ours. He's not... It's in front of you. You choose. You choose. What are you choosing today? What are you choosing to do with your life? Would you take the road that leads to life? Or would you do like I did? Chose the other way and just going like fumbling, rolling down the hill, further and further down and away from God. It is our choice. He will honor it. He will stay out. That's your choice. I pray that all of us would choose today to follow him. I choose that today all of us will decide to be like the wise woman of Proverbs 14.1. Uh, it's our choice. There are two women portrayed there. The wise one build her house. The foolish one destroys her with her own hands. I was the foolish one. I was. I lived my life as a foolish woman. Until I decided I had enough. And now I am becoming, by the grace of God, the wise woman that builds her house. But again, it's our choice. It's our choice. Today I want to take you back to the beginning of my talk. I told you I was anointed as an eight-year-old with a healing ministry. Two weeks ago I was walking in the woods. Honestly, I feel like nature is where I feel the closest to God. That's my favorite temple. And I was walking and I'm listening uh, to a woman who has a healing ministry pray for, for the sick. And I remember asking God, like, God, when is that going to happen? When is that going to happen? You said it. I didn't say it. When is it going to happen? I'm, I'm here. And he says, when you get out of the way and you start, stop thinking that you have to keep preparing, and that you have to keep like, it's not you, girl. It's me. I'm the one that's going to do it. I was just asking for a vessel. And I said yes to God. I said, okay, if that's all you needed, I am here. So today I asked pastor, is that okay that I pray for those who are sick? And she, she gave me her permission and her blessing to do so. So today if you are struggling with health, I want to pray for you. But listen. I'm not going to pray for your healing because the Bible says that you are already healed. The Bible says that Jesus took all our infirmities with him and the cross. It is done. It is finished. It is over. If you and I are sick, it's because we keep holding on to things that prevent us from fully walking into the healing that he purchased for us. So what I want to pray for today is that those obstacles to your healing, to the full manifestation of your healing, are removed. Whether it's things that you need to drop because they are not holy. Whether it's forgiveness. 
just ask the Lord, what is it between you and I? What is preventing me from fully reaching what you have for me? Beautiful things happen when you surrender. I have to testify that I thought, I've ruined it. I've ruined it for me, and I ruined it for my kids. And I felt like my actions had destroyed their chances. And I have to tell you, three weeks ago, my middle child was baptized for the glory of God. My youngest child just went for the first time ever to youth group. Somebody at school invited him to youth group, and he started going, and now he's excited about that. I can see the restoration that God is bringing to my life. He's restoring my health. He's restoring my relationships. He's restoring. There is a beautiful reward for those who lay their life and allow God to work. And today I want to invite you to do that. So I invite you to close your eyes and bow your head and have a conversation with God and ask him, what is that thing? What is that thing? What is the wild boar in my life that you're asking me to sacrifice? Let God reveal to you, ask him, what are the wild boars in my life? What is the thing that I am bringing up to you? What is the pig with the lipstick that I'm presenting to you, asking you to bless it when you clearly have said that that is an abomination to you? Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, reveal the truth to your daughters. As difficult as that might be, reveal the truth. If the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. Choose to receive that freedom by walking in holiness. Use that key of forgiveness to open a new door in your spiritual life. Use the key of holiness to open a new level in your relationship with God. Just because everyone is doing it doesn't mean that it's holy and acceptable. Ask God to reveal what he wants you to drop at the feet of the cross, at the foot of the cross. Bring it. And if you are sick today, I'm going to ask that you give me the honor of praying for you, praying for your healing, praying for your complete restoration. If you are sick, I'm going to ask you to come over here, come to the front and give me the honor of praying for you, of sharing with you what God has done for me. Out of the abundant grace I have received, I want to give to you physical sickness. Most of it, 95% of diseases have the root in emotional distress, in emotional pain. The pain you are carrying is is manifesting itself in physical pain. Be willing to drop it. Be, do it. be willing to bring it to the Lord. He can, he can handle it. He can carry it. So if there's anyone here today, first of all, if there is anyone who hasn't given their life to Jesus, would you want to do it today? If you have never made a commitment, today is the day. If you're going through a period of dryness in your life and you feel stuck and you're not making progress and you feel that separation, today is the day of freedom. Bring it to the Lord. Bring it to the Lord. Be brave to bring it in front of the Lord and drop it at the feet of the cross, at the foot of the cross. Bring it. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you. Thank you for showing us the things that must go. Thank you for showing us the choices that are holding us back. Thank you for showing us the keys that we can use from now on to walk into greater glory. Thank you, Lord, for speaking. Thank you for redeeming my life. Thank you for cleaning the slate and giving me a new chance, a new opportunity to follow you wholeheartedly, to give you all I have. All for your honor, all for your glory. Thank you that you will continue to redeem my life. 
You will continue to work with the broken pieces and create something beautiful. And just as you are doing it for me, I know you will do it for my sisters. Thank you, Lord. To God be the glory. To God be the glory. Thank you. In the name of Jesus, I seal this word in your hearts. And I know Holy Spirit will water it so he produces much fruit. So thank you, ladies. Thank you for your time. Um, thank you.